For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Say what needs to be said. It's your host, Asante, Mr. Pick Six Salmon. Week 12 started on a national holiday, Thanksgiving, the day to give thanks and be thankful. Detroit came into this game leading the series 1-0 against the Green Bay Packers. This game didn't go exactly as expected for Jared Goff and the Lions, giving away two fumbles to the Packers in the first quarter. Jordan Love stole the show with another impressive performance, extending their chances for the playoffs. Now, if Green Bay's defense can continue to improve down the stretch, they could make a strong push for the playoffs with the development of Jordan Love. Because this time of the year, it is important to play good football and keep that momentum heading into the playoffs. Now, Detroit is a much better team compared to last year, but won't be a threat in the playoffs this year. For this next game, we're headed to Dallas, the Cowboys versus the Washington Commanders. And let's just say the Commanders are ready to eat Thanksgiving dinner and not ready to play professional football, losing by a deficit of 35 points. Now, Michael Parsons and Jonathan Hackens led the defense with four sacks and eight hits on the quarterback, keeping Sam Howell under pressure all game. Now, the defensive player of the year is self-explanatory after Deron Bland's record-breaking Fifth interception for a touchdown of the season. Shout out to Deron Bland. He's having a crazy and amazing season after replacing the pro bowler, all-pro Trayvon Diggs. Deron Bland may be the most valuable player on the defense right now. And Washington is expected to be in the market for a new head coach, maybe Bill Belichick. Now let's go to Seattle for the battle of the NFC West, where Brock Purdy continues to impress and prove the critics wrong. The 49ers dominated the first half, gaining 16 first downs to Seattle's three and four for eight on third down, making this game not so competitive. And if there is any doubt about Brock Purdy, you must not be watching the game. Now we're headed to New York again with the first game on Black Friday in the history of the NFL. The Jets finally decided to make a change at quarterback and bench Zach Wilson for Tim Boyle, but still ended up with similar results. Now, the injury to Jalen Phillips is the biggest takeaway from this game for the Dolphins. He was on his way to a career year, almost tying his career high in sacks through week 12. Miami Dolphins are in control of the division, but the fight over the number one seed still continues. Now, Baltimore Ravens and Dallas Cowboys are only two teams left on the schedule I can see stopping the Dolphins from their goals and the number one seed. Now we're headed to Houston where the number one draft picks battle for the number one spot in the AFC South, and they did not disappoint. Trevor Lawrence is starting to look like the quarterback we expected him to be coming out of Clemson, but C.J. Stroud was more impressive at quarterback. Yes, he lost on his last play after a failed 58-yard field goal attempt. The Jaguars retained their number one spot in the division. But Houston is still in the hunt for a wild card spot. And looking at the rest of the schedule, a wild card spot doesn't seem too far-fetched 
for this Houston Texans team with new head coach D'Amico Ryan. Now, the Saints battled the Falcons in Atlanta for the number one spot in the NFC South and blew a great opportunity. Derek Carr and his offense kicked 15 points worth of field goals, unable to score any touchdowns. The interception to Jesse Bates for 92 yards set the tempo for the Falcons, and they were able to make just enough plays to win this game. Nothing too special. And the only way you lose to the Falcons is basically beating yourself. With the Ravens in control of the AFC North, Cincinnati was already on the outside looking into the playoffs. But after the loss and Joe Burrow's already out, they can basically forget about it. Now, Pittsburgh can be a good candidate for a wild card team, basically because the remainder of the schedule is very winnable in my eyes. But I see the Steelers face the Baltimore Ravens on January 7th, but that may not be a serious game. So it may not make a difference. Now in New York, where the New York Giants host the New England Patriots. And to everyone's surprise, Mac Jones gets the start at quarterback. I know, I know, everyone is surprised. And this was an awful game to watch, man. Just bad, just bad, sloppy football everywhere. But a victory is a victory, and New York Giants got the victory. That's all I got to say on that. Now moving on. Now we are in Philly where Josh Allen is desperate to get back to his winning ways. A win for the Buffalo Bills keep their playoff chances alive, and Jalen Hurts looks like he may be having problems with his knee and not 100%. But Philadelphia continues to have a solid grip on the number one seed, and December 3rd will tell us a lot about that number one seed when the Philadelphia Eagles faces the 49ers. But for Philly, they need to fix their problems on third down and their problems in the secondary, or it won't be long before these problems catch up with them. Now in Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns may have the worst luck in the AFC North Division. They have a really, a really good football team, but Deshaun Watson is the missing piece and he is out for the season, and this hurts their chances to be a contender in the National Football League. Now, for the Broncos, things are starting to click, but of course, it's a little too late. Say what needs to be said. Mac Jones and the lost locker room. Now, players, we get sick of losing. Losing is one of the worst feelings we can have as a competitor or as a professional athlete. Just playing sports, period. But if you lose consistently, players can begin to point the finger. Now, being accountable for your mistakes is the most important logic of of team sports and team success. Now, we all have egos, but we must not let it get in the way of our goals as, as teammates. Our coaches, players, and everyone, we, we all make mistakes. But how do we bounce back from the mistakes defines who we are, are as a team and as people. And when your teammates start to look at you funny and distance themselves away from you, that's when things will get real spooky. Story time. Let me tell y'all a little story. Back in 2005, my third year in the NFL, we traded a third-round pick to acquire Dwayne Starks, a Pro Bowl corner from the Arizona Cardinals at the time. Now, he's most notably known for playing for the Baltimore Ravens on the Super Bowl team with Ray Lewis and Rob Woodson. He returned the interception for a touchdown in that Super Bowl against the New York Giants. That's, uh, that was what he's most known for in the NFL. Now, the Patriots, like I said, they made a trade for him, expecting Starks to contribute immediately to the team. But he wasn't catching on as fast or adapting as fast as the coaches or the executives would have liked. And, you know, things wasn't just working out as good as they expected. Coach Belichick's goal was to create competition in the cornerback group and to basically figure out 
who would be the main starters or play the most on the team in the cornerback group, you know? And he was hoping it would be the veterans, of course, Dwayne Starks, Chad Scott, or Tyrone Poole. Now, Starks, Starks, what, he wasn't unable, he wasn't able to suit up until the second game of the season against the Panthers. Now, this team that we were on, we were used to winning, so we had winning expectations. But we started out three and three, so the temperature wasn't was look was very hot in the environment as a Patriot. And for the secondary, we was just bad all across the board. So then, me included. So it, we were bad. Let me just say it like that. But the leaders on the team started to point fingers at Dwayne Starks, and the blame game had began. They was making Dwayne Starks feel like he didn't have a friend on the team or support from from any of the players. It, it was it was real lonely for Dwayne at the time. But let me tell you how Starks started to notice certain players didn't want him around or be around him on the team. He was like, Zunt, he came up to me one day. He was like, Zunt, watch this. So I'm watching him. He tries to walk towards, you know, his group and the older crowd on the team, the veterans. He tries to walk into the group with Willie McGinnis, Mike Rabel, Richard Seymour, and, you know, uh, Rodney Harrison. I think Roosevelt Collins. It was about seven, eight group of, a group of them, right? The older guys with the new contracts and all that good stuff. So he walked over there, and as soon as he said something, they all looked at each other and walked away. And he looked at me, he was like, see, son, I told you. He was just trying to join in the conversation, and they wouldn't allow it. They didn't want no parts of him. They made it obvious he was not wanted. It was one of the craziest and funniest experiences I've seen, man. I kind of I felt bad for him, but Dwayne Starts is a positive man, and he, he took it in stride, and he didn't let it affect him uh, that much, right? But I kind of knew it was going on already, but I had to play it off and kind of go with the flow. So, you know, I didn't want to, you know, spark any, any, anything extra, right? But I kept my distance and chose not to be a part of the shenanigans. That was just me because I didn't want to be a part of that, right? That's just my style. But for starts, it was an extremely, extremely uncomfortable environment for him at the time. It didn't turn out well, man. And just seeing a, a player go through that, it, 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 was, a, it was a serious crazy situation, like I said. But for starts too, also nagging injuries kept him from performing 100%. And it was an older team coming off, like I said, two straight Super Bowl victories. So everybody was riding high and expecting the third Super Bowl. When your team lands a player and gives him a new contract from another team and he doesn't perform well, it doesn't sit well with the team or the team, the players that was there before him, right? Especially if they're seeking a new contract. Everybody's going to be in their feelings. That's a natural feeling. You seeking a new contract and you sign an outsider, outsider and give them new money. The players that have been there are going to be like, what, what about me? Where's my money? And that's kind of the feeling everybody was having around there, right? But I can totally understand what Mac Jones is going through and how he feels. There's a lot of negative energy in the air. I'm going to tell you, being there as a Patriot, losing, it's a lot of negative energy in the air. And it's not too much positive reinforcement for him. Not that he deserves it at this point, because today or tonight or yesterday, that was just horrible, right? Getting benched and throwing two turnovers. It just looks like he's just, I don't know, look like he's out of it, right? But for, for Matt, he has to continue to remain confident and believe in himself in order to get himself out of the slump and prolong his NFL career. He he got he has to do that. He has to do that. You won't Matt won't get the support until he shows he can make a difference. Then he will begin to get support from his teammates and coaches uh, and what have you, right? 
whenever that chance is again or whatever team that is, because I'm not sure if the Patriots are ever going to give him a chance again after all that's been going on. And um, I'm like I said, I'm a big Matt, Matt Jones supporter, and I, I wish him all the best, and I hope he get the tools and the chances he get because this Giants team, the Patriots just lost to, was a very, very sorry team. And they, meaning the Patriots, should have won that game. I'm, I mean, convincingly should have won that game. Now, whoever the head coach is next year, he will, meet, he will need more than one, two, or three first-round draft picks to fix this team because it is awful out there. They are pretty bad. I just don't know what to say about Coach Belichick anymore. He just looks clueless out. Is Travis Hunter a true cornerback or is he a true wide receiver? Let's get into it. Most of us football players, we start off our career playing both sides of the football, offense and defense. And it starts off in Little League football. Some of us continue in high school, and very few can transition as a two-way player into the college football rank. Now, in the past, we've seen Charles Woodson win the Heisman Trophy at the University of Michigan playing both sides of the ball. Chris Gamble got some experience at Ohio State. And Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, became the face of two-way players at Florida State. Everybody know if you ain't know that. If y'all didn't know, then wake up. For the NFL scouts, they wanted to be clear what position you are going to play when they draft you to the next level. They need to distinguish what position Travis Hunter will be most effective at when he enters the next level and understand how he will contribute to the team that drafts him. Now, when guys like Deion Sanders, Charles Woodson, and Chris Gamble play offense in a game, it, it was very sparingly, maybe five to 10 or maybe even 15 times a game. And most of the time that was used because of their speed and and just their athletic ability, right? Now, if you're drafted in the first round in the NFL, you are expected to start immediately and have an impact on that team. The first round is make the big buck, and that's why you're drafted in the first round, because you are expected to fill a void in what the team feels necessary after grading a long season and the weakness on their team after grading and, and seeing how they can make their team better. That's how they select the first round. You didn't know. Now, Travis Hunter, he is an exceptional athlete. His ball skills is crazy. They are phenomenal. And he is a very instinctive player on defense and in zone coverage. When that ball is in his zone, he is going to get the ball. I've seen it numerous times. And I can tell an instinctive and, and, and player that's going to go get that ball. And he's going to do it wherever he's at, high school, college, or the NFL. But for me, as a corner, I want to see his man-to-man -man skills develop more. You know, not that he's getting beat or anything like that or ran by, but it just needs to prove, just like anybody else. Everybody has things they can prove and get better on. And um, those are one of the things for Travis Hunter. Travis, in my opinion, he has to understand body positioning while playing man-to-man -man and, and how to use his body to help prevent the wide receiver from catching the ball. I've seen a, a few times where he, he was lacking um, the body position and understanding what to do. And, and, it, and it may have something to do with him playing both sides of the ball because he had good positioning, but he threw his arms up like he was kind of waiting for the, the ref to throw the flag for him. And that's the difference. When you're playing on the offensive side of the ball, they're used to crying and screaming for the flags and stuff like that. When you're playing defense, you got to change that mindset. You can't expect a call from the referee at all. You got to do whatever you have to do to make sure that wide receiver does not catch that ball. And this is where, for me, Travis... Hunter weaknesses right now as a sophomore entering into his junior year, right? Well, however you want to put it. 
defending in man to man and body position. Like I said, he has all the abilities in the world and he can he can cover and his coverage can easily be fixed because he has all the ability in the world. And and that, that problem can easily be fixed, like I said, from him concentrating more on one position instead of, you know, spreading itself too thin and um, you know, just focusing and under, and, and concentrating on one position. That can help it help it, help the problem out in this in itself, right? Now for scouts, how scouts and GMs evaluate players in the NFL is much more critical compared to the college football evaluation process. So you have to understand, you can get away with playing two ways in college, but in the NFL, you can't afford to be average at two positions, let alone one position. You cannot expect to be average at one position and expect to have a long, successful career. So how did, how would they look putting you out there being average at two positions? That just wouldn't make no sense, right? The team has no reason to play a player on both sides of the ball unless you are the top two best on the team at that position. And that's very rarely going to happen on a team. And if it does happen, they need to go talk to their scouting department and, and, and do some checking and firing up there because you can't have one player better at two positions. Now, on the other hand, when you're using this permanent cornerback at wide receiver, most of the time, a lot of the time is because that cornerback has crazy speed and he's used, he's there to take the top off on the defense. And you know, you know, like when they put Dion out there, straight speed, you see a lot of deep routes. Or it might be some catch and go and run past, run past the uh, defenders, things like that. You know, use your athletic ability. But watching Travis Hunter play, I can tell you he understands how to play both positions well. He won't have a problem. He can choose. I'm telling you what I see. He can choose what position he wants to play and be successful with no problem on the next level. I can see him being a, a thousand yard receiver in the NFL. And I can also see him intercepting a lot of passes like myself or Richard Sherman, whoever you want to compare him to, just compare him to somebody that's intercepting a lot of balls. He fits in that stigma of wide receivers that's, that plays cornerback and have great ball skills like Richard Sherman and, you know, a few other guys, right? But going into his junior year, like I said before, I would like to see him concentrate more at cornerback and play less on the offensive side of the ball, right? That's just my opinion. Um, you can go on the offensive ball and be effective, no problem. Yes, you got to have a little timing, but college athletes take over, right? On the, for Travis Hunter, you know, playing defense and playing offense, he looks like he's having fun in general, just you know, playing football, but playing receiver, he looks like he's having a lot of fun. And I know it feels good and players love to score touchdowns and that's what he's doing. And at cornerback, I think cornerback is going to be his permanent position. And it usually is for two-way players. So you get ready for Travis Hunter, say what needs to be said. We all hate how injuries affect the game, but it's nothing we can do about it. Injuries are a part of the game and unfortunately here to stay. NFL sees a lot of injuries from the hip tackle, which is why the competition committee are questioning if they should ban the dangerous tackle. But what about turf grass? Why is that not always the first topic of discussion? Because natural grass is more expensive to keep up. But that's a whole other story. We're going to get into that later. We ain't going to talk about that now. But for me, it seems like the NFL doesn't care about defensive players and their health these days. To me, that's what it seems like. It don't seem like they care about the health. Because most of the rule changes are forced on the defensive side of the ball and not for the offense. Yeah, they got rid of the chop block. You know, that was good for the defensive players not being able to hit them low and all that. You know, that was good. That was good. But for defensive players, they are all 
type of tackles you have to deal with. Angles, uncomfortable angles, just to be able to get another football player down while running full speed at you is tough in itself. And they're implementing all these rules. And for most DBs, we are smaller than a lot of other players carrying the football, athletes carrying the football. And this puts us in a major disadvantage right there in itself. And the goal for the offense is to run past defenders. And when they run past you, you may grab them from behind, pull them backwards, which is totally normal. But I guess they want players to chase them down from behind and fall forward. That's going to be the new rule. Because how is we supposed to get an athlete down when it gets in front of you without being able to horse collar or hip tackle a player or basically use our weight? That's what they're telling us. We can't use our weight to pull them down. So what options do we have left as a, as a defensive player, player in the NFL? Because the competition committee eliminated hitting defenseless receivers or players, any contact to a quarterback's head, hitting quarterbacks low, and the crackback block. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to tell you, I'm here to break the news to you. We are headed for touch football. This is about to enter the touch football league. That's what's going on. They're changing. They don't want this to be physical anymore. They don't want it to be because they find a way to continue. They find a way to continue to put defenders at a disadvantage all the time. They don't look at us and see our health and, and say maybe they're putting their health at risk as a defensive player. They just make the rule changes to the defensive side of the ball and say, deal with it. Because when will the offensive side of the ball be held accountable for anything? You know, while they're running the ball, they don't have to attempt to gain the extra yardage all the time. They can just go down. That'll help a lot right there. Tell the offensive side of the ball when they're getting tackled from behind just to go down instead of fighting for the extra yard. This is what I think Tom Brady means when he says he see a lot of mediocre football these days in the NFL. He feels it's getting too soft and too passive. He came in a time when it was a very physical game and he had to deal with it. So right now to him and to all the older guys, this looks like mediocre football. I guess that's what he means in the physical aspect of it. Let me give you a little story, a little history real quick. In the 2004 AFC Championship game, Patriots versus Colts, the game plan for us on the defensive side of the ball was to get up in the offensive face and, and be as physical as possible. Take them out of their time and all that good stuff. We manhandled them so bad that game that the owner, Jim Ursay, cried to the league office after that game and asked them to basically change the rule or enforce the rule. However you want to look at it. Before he made this decision, defenders could put hands on receivers past five yards with no problem for years. It was never a problem until he went and complained. Now, after his complaints, the receivers are basically untouchable. He went and complained and made this rule be enforced. In 1978, the rule was established. Any contact or restriction past five yards to a receiver will be called illegal contact. But this was never enforced before 2004. And this is the reason Jim Ursay says, still crying, that they lost the AFC championship against us because we beat them up bad and we was very physical. If you didn't know the powers to be, they want the NFL to, to score more points. And they feel this helps the business model. And after finding out passing yardage dropped to 11-year low in 2003, they figured it was time for the competition committee to take action and make change. But for defensive players and the NFL to continue to take away the way we tackle fits the narrative. So it's going to be part of the game. And that's just going to be something that we always are going to have to deal with. So the NFL, you get ready because that's something we're going to always have to deal with it. And it's going to become less and less 
physical. So until next time, pick six, I'm out. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.